0: buying the whole package is it for our benefit just to make us feel better or is it real coming up next on this episode of the gratitude journal podcast this is the gratitude journal podcast greetings my friends who download the gratitude journal podcast or who listen Online or whatever platform you choose to listen to, welcome back. Thunder in the background a little bit because it's been kind of a wacky, zany couple of days of weather-wise here in Northeast Ohio. Matthew is my name. And uh, thank you for tuning in, downloading, checking in, and sharing some of your thoughts, too, about the things that we should be grateful for, the things that we can be grateful for. And amidst the horror of our current situation and the travesty and the general overall malaise of things that occur to us each day in each of our lives, trying to find small glimmers of gratitude, I appreciate you checking in. We, of course, are back from another trip from the St. Louis area to attend the life celebration of our granddaughter, Mally. And I guess right off the top, I should say that at least so far, this is me knocking on wood because this is a wooden desk in front of me that, uh, I am grateful that we're not sick so far. At least I don't feel sick and Donna doesn't feel sick. And it's been almost a week So for that, I'm grateful because this has been a whirlwind couple of weeks, including just a lot of opportunities to break the COVID-19 rulebook. I mean, as we were riding in one of the many Uber rides that we took last weekend I said to Donna, you know, we are like breaking every rule right now. I mean, getting on a shuttle with people you don't know from the airport parking lot to the terminal and then the whole plane ride thing, you know, being cooped up for an extended period of time with people who you don't know. We had face masks and face shields and, you know, trying to do all the things you're supposed to do. Touching, you know, door handles in the bathroom or at least trying not to touch door handles in the bathroom. Have you ever tried to slide one of those things, you know, in the in the bathroom with your elbow? It's really tough, especially when they stick or they don't work. And then riding a train for almost an hour. And being surrounded, again, by people who you don't know. Some people choosing not to wear masks. And you're thinking, what planet are you on? What galaxy have you been on in the last couple of months? Come on. Riding in Ubers in, in touching the fabric of cars that you're unfamiliar with. And then trying to, yes, show love and support amongst a large group of people and yet trying to maintain your distance from that group of people so you don't put yourself in harm's way and then thinking, okay, am I going overboard here? Am I, am I you know, am I, am I showing enough realism here? I mean, what, what's going on? And then, you know, taking the train back and taking the plane back and, you know, it's the whole thing. We just broke so many rules, but it was just so worth it. I mean, it was just so worth it, and it was just so necessary. And I couldn't have imagined doing anything else but celebrating the life of Mally Royer. Uh, I still have to admit that I'm having trouble getting life back to some semblance of normalcy. And life, in large ways, requires and demands us to get back to normal. And so you have to ride that fine line between basking in your own grief, trying to find some solace in that grief and trying to maintain a life and trying to do the things that you need to do. I can't even imagine how tough it is for Mally's dad and Mally's sister and Mally's friends and Mally's mom and Mally's stepmom and just all of the people connected with her, the family and friends connected with her. I can't even imagine how tough it is Uh, for all of those folks, because it certainly has been tough for us. I would be less than authentic if I didn't at least mention that the death of a young person, the death of someone so vibrant, the death of someone who is not only just a family member, but the death of somebody who has gone through such a pain and agony over a series of years would not make you question your faith and not make you question what it is you've been taught and what you believe. Now, that would be inauthentic of me to say that those things hadn't crossed my mind because they have, and they've really have been pounding my head for the last week, and longer than that, longer than that, but obviously much more magnified. And I mean, this is a podcast that hopefully deals with gratitude and, and trying to find gratitude within that challenge. And it's a huge challenge for me because You know, I acknowledge and sense my spiritual nature in whatever form that takes. And so this has been particularly challenging for me. And it's been particularly challenging for my bride. And, you know, I think back when I was in the seminary and in the seminary we were required to have a spiritual director someone on the staff who you met with on a regular basis and really discussed things of a theological nature you discussed prayer you discussed you know your progress as it related to your seminary experience other than academics you know it could range from you know how you were getting along with friends to how are things at home. But really, it seemed to revolve around the spiritual life. What could be the best way to get you to hone in on this spiritual life? Because naturally, the staff member who was your spiritual director was responsible for your growth because you were studying to be a priest, for crying out loud. And my spiritual director was Father Joseph Hendricks. And Father Joseph Hendricks characterized himself as a rugged individualist. And the people who were fellow uh, spiritual uh, acolytes of Father Hendricks who were under his charge as far as spiritual direction seemed to be those people who also follow this sort of doctrine of quote-unquote rugged individualism, meaning that they focused on primarily themselves and their role as seminary students, that they, looked for ways to be self-sufficient. And this rugged individualism was supposed to put yourself in a better frame of mind to tackle all of the spiritual and academic hardships that you would endure during seminary study and thus make you a more seasoned person ready for ordination to the Roman Catholic priesthood. And Father Hendricks was, uh, in, a, in, a, in some way, kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. Uh, it's not that he was lacking a sense of humor, because he did have a sense of humor. And he would sometimes joke about some of the t-shirts that I wore, and, and you know he knew how to make just enough fun of some of my interests to get me to laugh. And so I knew he was looking at me. I knew he was watching me. I knew that, you know, under his charge that he was responsible for my growth. Now, we started to talk about something called the Ignatian Exercises, and I won't bore you with all the minutia of this, but it has to do with a kind of um, a spiritual uh, exercise that was taken on by the Jesuits. And and it involved, um, you know, a series of, you know, prayerful uh, directives that, you know, led you hopefully to a higher spiritual plane. And I found the Ignatian exercises just utterly boring and dull. It just did not interest me at all. I mean, I wanted just something more mystical. I was interested in the Eastern Rite of the Catholic Church. I was interested in Taoism, and and a couple of my friends were also, you know, interested in things like, you know, Zen Buddhism and Eastern mysticism, and these things appealed to me, and and they were the complete opposite of the Ignatian exercises, and I just found them kind of boring, and so I started to talk about some of these other things in one of of our sessions, and Father Hendricks said to me, you know, I feel like you're kind of fighting this. And I was like, uh, No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I, and really, I went into these sessions with my spiritual director open-minded because, after all, this was a priest, a priest of some note, uh, someone who was pretty well respected, you know, in the diocese of Columbus, and it really had been on the staff for some time. He was, um, he did things by the book. He did the same things every day. He ran every day. He was very much in shape. Um, He just had a way about him that was very regimented and really perfect for seminary formation. And as I looked at him, it was the exact opposite of what I wanted as far as being a seminarian in formation. And so I sensed that he sensed this about me. And he said to me, you know, this Catholic thing that we do, that we live, you either buy the whole package or you don't buy any of it. And I knew right then, I knew right then, only a year into seminary study, that I was not going to be a very good Roman Catholic priest. My wife is a fan of Teresa Caputo. And if you know about the Long Island medium, you know that Teresa Caputo supposedly has a special gift. And that Teresa Caputo communicates with people who have passed on. And she acts as an intermediary between people and the the people still living on Earth and the people, relatives, friends, loved ones who have passed on. And so naturally, since I am a person who tends to see things with a glass half empty viewpoint, I am immediately suspicious of someone like Teresa Caputo. In fact, I would have to say that I was marginally suspicious of people like Father Joseph Hendricks. And and even further, I'm marginally suspicious of people who, quote-unquote, have all the answers. But that's for another podcast. But my wife is, was, and still is, a, a fan of Teresa Caputo. And so, Teresa Caputo actually goes on tour and so she was coming to Akron and so I would say seven or eight years ago uh, I found out that she was coming to the EJ Thomas Performing Arts Center here and I bought tickets and surprised her with tickets and said to myself you know this is for her I'm going to (laughs) I'm going to go and I'm going to try to make the best of it And so this performance was full of basically Teresa Caputo kind of meandering around the room and sort of doing readings of various people, you know, sort of a live version of her television show. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm initially skeptical but it did make me think of a story that Donna tells me and I say tells because it continues to occur and she will be walking through certain portions of this house and this was her mother's house and her her mother died years ago and she claims that there are various times that her mother speaks to her in this house very briefly, says her name, says things to her. And I'm not one to dismiss these things. And so while watching Teresa Caputo, I looked over at Donna and she was kind of mesmerized by her. And I thought to myself, you know, trying to eliminate my penchant for skepticism, I thought, what if this woman does have a gift? And what if other people like her do have gifts? And if Teresa Caputo is able to make contact with loved ones in the afterlife, then A, if it's true, then we have added comfort in knowing that we're going to at least have contact with our loved ones in the next life, if there is a next life. And if it's all BS, then... It could be a completely grateful affair for the person still on earth that they get the comfort of and the solace of at least thinking that they're going to have this meeting with their loved one in the afterlife. I don't know Teresa Caputo's religious affiliation. I don't know that what she does is merely an extension of what she's been taught. So let's say she were also a Roman Catholic. I know that she was taught that we are going to meet up with all of our loved ones in the afterlife as long as we go to heaven. And getting the benefit of her acting as an intermediary is just a bonus gift of being able to have a little early conversation with those in the afterlife. But even if that's completely bogus, the comfort and the solace that one gets, even my wife, is enough to check it off as being quote-unquote real to them. And... Isn't that a good thing? Traveling on that train back from the Illinois side over to the airport in St. Louis, there was a good amount of time to think. And even sitting there with a mask on and a face shield and trying not to touch metal surfaces on the train and you know amidst all the COVID craziness and making sure the people near me had a mask on and were they coughing and just all the mumbo-jumbo affiliated with it it did offer me a good amount of time to think and sometimes that thinking can be downright depressing because what if the whole story's wrong I mean, what does that mean for us? What if there isn't an afterlife? What if when the last breath is exhaled and either the dirt goes on top of you or your body turns into ashes, then that's it? What if that were the case? What does that mean for us? What does it mean, not so much how we were brought up, but now that we're thinking rational human people, if confronted with that, what does that say about what we're doing with our life right now, in the present, in real time? that we're not just doing things to be rewarded? What if there weren't any reward involved and there weren't any punishment involved? What does that do for us in this life right now? How does that matter and change things for me today? I mean, what if Father Hendricks were completely wrong? He and the countless spiritual directors, priests, nuns, everybody who formed me and formed the thousands and thousands like me. What if the whole story were bogus? What if we just had to feel gratitude for the now? Because when I was on that train just like sister Dorothy used to tell me to do I was angry I was upset I mean what right does any divine being who's supposedly involved in our lives what right does that divine being have to make some girl go through five, six years of misery and reward her with her own death at this young age. All you can say is the only right that that being has is an egotistical, driven dictator who is devoid of love because of that all-knowing, omnipotent being were intimately involved in our lives, as we're taught, well, why couldn't that being just take it away? Why couldn't that being offer Mally comfort? And then, as I gazed out through the window, through my face shield, I thought, you know, you're... Your mind is exhibiting such immaturity. Your mind is playing tricks on you. You don't have any answers. The answers were already given to you. And so I vacillated back and forth. And in a strange way, I was grateful for the possibility that anything is possible and then I have to be open to all of those things. I don't care for Father Hendrick's rugged individualism but I have to be open to the fact that it may provide strength in the time of need. I don't totally understand The Teresa Caputo method but I'm grateful for the possibility that it exists that when I see that butterfly floating around and Donna would say whenever I see a black butterfly I think of my mom that she's around I have to be open to the possibility and I'm grateful for the possibility that it could be grateful for the possibility that it could be her mom. That her mom could be talking to her without just dismissing it outright. And even if the Roman Catholic Church isn't correct, even if buying the story, hook, line, and sinker, is at least partially bogus, because let's face it, any thinking human person couldn't completely buy in to the whole story I'm sorry Father Hendricks I am grateful for the opportunity to be confronted with the possibility that reunification in the afterlife could be possible it may So the possibility does exist and so we as family members of people like Mally and you as family members and friends of your loved ones maybe should be grateful for the fact that we could find solace in that we're going to be open to signs from our loved ones we're going to be open to the possibility that our loved ones could communicate with us on another plane. And it's hard to say this, but in the event that this existence that we experience on this planet is the end of the road, and we come to the conclusion that However complicated the process is, of the teaching that was given to us that we're going to meet up with all of our loved ones in another life, a life that's going to be better than this life. Even if that tale is nothing more than that, a tale designed to help us feel better then we should be grateful for all of the different ways that we can make the most out of what this is, whatever this is supposed to be. And that's the mystery. Why? Why would we even be here? What's the point? What's the purpose? And it's incumbent on us to find the things to be grateful for every day. Right now, as far as gratitude goes, I'm grateful that at least almost seven days after a lot of opportunities to be ill and to contract it, I don't feel ill. We both don't. Obviously, that could change, but we don't feel ill, and that's good. I'm grateful for that. Because on one of those Uber rides, I thought to myself, you know, if we don't get sick, it will be a freaking miracle. Because really, throughout this process, we've broken every single rule. And we really have done our best to try to follow the rules. I just shopped last night and brought groceries. And I bring them to the front door. I get the Clorox wipes. I wipe down the groceries. So all of this traveling around flies in the face of all of that so i'm grateful that right now today this friday the 28th we're not sick i'm also grateful for the look on mallie's father's face when we showed up last weekend and i really debated saying something to him But I didn't want to get in the way. I didn't want him to worry about where we were staying and how we were going to get to the airport. I mean, there was just 9,000 things probably going on in his head. And I didn't want him to be upset at us. And yet at the same time, I just wanted to give him his space. I didn't want to bother him with us being in town another time. So that look... On his face when he saw that we showed up for Mally's life celebration I'll be forever grateful for that and I know that we made the right decision whether we get sick or not and when we were coming home after we picked up our car at the airport the clouds in the sky were amazing It's like we noticed it flying in about the last half of the trip. But when we were riding in the car, it's just like the sky was full of all of these ornate diagrams of clouds. Just amazing clouds. And and Donna at least has a thousand pictures of clouds on her iPhone. In fact, her iPhone won't even back up. There are so many pictures of clouds. It's all she does is take pictures of cloud formations. So it was like a kid in a candy store. And we were coming down 77 and we were starting to go down this hill right before we get to the Gilcrest Road exit. And in front of us was this cloud formation that had the top of it kind of looked. I didn't notice it at first until Donna pointed out. and She said, That cloud, that top of that cloud looks like the top of Mally's head in this picture. And it did. I mean, it was amazing. And at that moment, I just felt a remarkable feeling of gratitude. And while I'm almost nauseous at the thought of not knowing and not being certain about what happens to us, what can happen to us, what will happen to us based on what I've been taught, based on what I think I know, based on what I don't know. I do find solace that there are possibilities for anything. I'm also today on this 28th day of August thankful and grateful For my father it's his birthday today he turned 92 my mother turned 92 three days ago and as i post things on facebook i'm constantly reminded by people that we are so lucky that we still have our parents and that is so entirely true sometimes i marvel when i get to sit across from them i haven't been sitting across from them during this kind of semi kind of quarantine period that I've kind of placed us in. But I've remarked on this in the past that I am continually amazed when I'm hearing them talk that at 60 years of age, I'm still sitting across from them, listening to them speak. And I'm remarkably grateful that we still have that opportunity. Finally, I mentioned before that there is a new podcast that is previewing and a little cross promotion for Recovery Talks, the podcast. It is a podcast that is affiliated with The Summit, the non-commercial radio station here in Akron. It's affiliated with a program called Rockin' Recovery which is a program designed for those in recovery and it includes music and positive messaging. And the podcast is an extension of that show of that movement. It's really more than a show. It's a movement. It's a mission. And the host is Mark Lee Shannon, who is a very intuitive and very skilled host. Mark is a musician and he is a leader in the recovery community and it's a show that uh, i would urge you even if you're not in recovery a show that i would urge you to find on any of the popular platforms like apple and uh, google podcasts and spotify and everything else and check it out i think you'll find some worth and some value until then i sense that the thunder has stopped at least for now What it has done is gotten in the way of me mowing my lawn, (laughs) but since we haven't had that much rain, I don't think I'm in danger of being cited by the city of Akron just yet for not caring for my property. (laughs) Until then, we'll talk next time during another episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast.